Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and subscribe wherever you're you're listening to uh, your podcast across the Big Blue View Radio network. All right, we're getting uh, more and more serious about the uh, 2024 NFL Draft. And we've begun to uh, to take deep dives into the 2024 quarterback class at Big Blue View. Took a, a deep dive at uh, look at, at Bo Nix uh, this week, uh, the quarterback from Oregon. And uh, here on the podcast as well, we'll be talking about as many quarterbacks and, and other prospects as we can. And uh, today we're going to focus on North Carolina quarterback Drake May. And here to help me do that is Akil Guruparin. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I got that right, of, of SB Nation's Tar Heel blog. Akil, how are you? Thank you for, uh, thank you for the time. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about Drake. So uh, I, I appreciate the time and uh, appreciate the uh, we're, we're doing this on kind of short notice. So I appreciate you're doing that as well. So so tell me um, a little bit quickly. Um, Drake may looked at, you know, top three, one of the top three quarterbacks in the class uh do you look at you look at him and and do you look at him and think, you know, in your mind he he might be the number one guy, or do you think uh, the 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 ranking of of May by most people, you know, where, where Caleb Williams is one and and he's probably two, um, in, in your mind is is that accurate? Uh, so I get why a lot of people have Caleb Williams at one and Drake at two. I'm not sure I completely agree. Like, I think there's a little bit of kind of, I don't know, I've seen some people call it Mahomesification of quarterback ranking where people are looking at all of the really wild stuff Caleb Williams can do with his arm and stuff. And Drake may, I think, can do some of that, but he hasn't done it as much. So to me that's where a lot of that ranking comes from. But as far as just being a quarterback, being the kind of quarterback that a modern NFL team needs, I I think there's a very strong argument that Drake May is as good as there is there was in college football. Like, I would not be – I don't think it would be a bad choice for, uh, for Chicago to pick him at one, or, you know, I don't think it's a consolation prize if someone gets him at two. I think he's and- every bit the, the guy. You think he's so so uh that no uh 
No Mitch Trubisky worries for uh, for uh, folks who draft uh, who draft Drake May. I don't think so. I I mean I Mitch got Mitch was drafted. I think the first year I was doing Tario blog, and at the time I thought he was a pretty decent quarterback prospect. But uh, um, you know I didn't see I, like I was probably higher on him than the thing that happened to, than what eventually happened with him. But I think Drake May is clearly like tiers above the type of quarterback that Mitch Trubisky was. Like he's easily the best quarterback I've seen at UNC. Okay. Um, ceiling and floor for uh, for for Drake May. For me, you know, I wrote the other day ceiling of a Justin Herbert type quarterback. You know, guy that I think Herbert was the sixth overall, fifth or sixth overall pick. Guy that maybe hasn't lived up to what people quite thought he could be, but you know, he still could be, you know, a top five type guy in in the NFL. And Giants fans might hate me for this, but the floor that I put on Drake May was Daniel Jones, and uh, just. And, and it's early for me as I evaluate these guys, but uh, but what do you think of those, and and what sort of ceiling or floor might you put on uh, on May? Uh, I don't hate those. I I've seen the Herbert comp a lot for Drake. They're pretty similarly built. They've got kind of a similar like way of throwing the ball. I think Herbert's probably got a little bit more of a rifle than Drake May does. Um, I do think Drake's got a little bit more creativity to his game. I think Herbert, like the thing that I that keeps happening when I watch Herbert, and I think the reason why a lot of people want him to be better than he currently is, is that he has so much talent and not enough. Like he just kind of seems restricted by his play calling a lot. And Drake elevates the stuff that is around him or the stuff that's given to him a lot more than I think. So I, I would probably put the ceiling maybe closer to. Um, like where Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are than maybe where Herbert is right now. Uh, floor wise, I'd say Daniel Jones seems kind of accurate. Uh, you know, if it's hard, what well, he's kind of a slightly above average accurate quarterback rather than a kind of pinpoint passer. So if the accuracy doesn't completely translate and he's forced to be someone who like, can make layups and can make some plays with his arm or make some plays with his legs, but can't really consistently drive an offense down the field. Like that could happen, but that's probably the absolute floor. I think he's got too much talent to not be at least a replacement level starter. You said that one of the the things for you about Drake May that's interesting is that he elevates what's around him. Can you you have examples of that, or or can you tell us a little bit more about why you feel that way? Uh, yeah, so he's had two different offensive coordinators who kind of ran similar passing offenses, at least, and both of them are really kind of loose with their concepts. Uh, Phil Longo famously, you know, he has profiles written about him. He has like a 27 plays in his playbook and kind of just asks his receivers to freelance off of that and his quarterbacks to find grass to throw to. And so, you know, he left for Wisconsin after last year. They brought Chip Lindsay in who said he was going to do much the same thing with the passing offense. And it's, you know, it was still a pretty simple kind of thing, just like 
I don't know if he did the same kinds of things as Longo did. Like there were interviews where Phil Longo would talk about just saying like this play of receivers are just going to run whatever routes they can think of. I don't know if Lindsay was doing that, but he wasn't doing anything super complicated. And Drake, just by being so accurate to every level, uh, you know, took some questionable play calling, to, uh, in my opinion, like an offense that should look really ugly and still moved it down the field. It was still like a top 10 offense in the NCAA. He spread the ball around. Uh, he finds open guys. I, I don't know. It's, he just... I, I, I'm really worried. Let's put it this way. I'm very worried about probably more so than a lot of other UNC fans are about what the offense is going to look like next year because I saw some warts in the play calling that Drake May was just good enough to cover up. I'm not, And I'm just not sure that there are a lot of guys who could have done that, like made this aesthetically unpleasing offense be as effective and as good as it was. What do you think about you know, about a, a landing spot for, for Drake May. Let's talk a little bit about his transition, you know, to the NFL. Is he a guy who you think can step in and and be a week one starter in the NFL? Is that would that be good for him? You talked a little bit about the offense that that was run the last couple of years at, at North Carolina. Is he a guy who would benefit from, you know, from some time to to sit and learn and 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 just sort of, you know, take in an NFL offense and and things like that. So, you know, for the Giants, they're counting on Daniel Jones being their Week One starter if he's back from from the knee injury. I don't know you know, if they were to draft a guy like Drake May or, or someone else in the first round, you know, Jones may start the year and not finish the year. Who knows? But I'm just curious what you think of of May's sort of readiness to uh, to walk in and be an NFL starter quickly. Um, so I don't know that it's a bad thing for anybody to wait a year. So in that sense, it might be good. I I think he's ready. So, like, the um, way that he kind of downloaded a new offense, even if it was similar, gives me a lot of hope, right? That he came out the gates, gates in 2023, like, slinging it around just as effectively as he had before, that he kind of adjusted to different game plans. If you watch his game against Appalachian State, where everything is kind of, like, 10 yards and in because of how deep apps playing their safeties, versus a game like most of the ones he played in the ACC, where he's bombing it down the field now that uh, he had a deep threat uh, later in the season that he didn't earlier in the form of Tez Walker. So I think he adjusted his game really well. He got information, new information about the playbook and new information about his offense really quickly. I don't think that, uh, I think he's ready to start immediately, but like I said, he's talked before about how sitting behind Sam Howell for a year at the college level helped him learn how to kind of prepare his body for games. Uh, and kind of just do tape review at the college level that he hadn't done before. So I'm sure that like having that landing spot or having that kind of parachute would help anybody, uh, May included. But I don't think he's not ready to start and help a team immediately. Obvious difference for you between uh, between May and Sam Howell? Um, there's a couple. The first is obviously the build. Like Sam Howell is six foot one, maybe. Uh, and 
plays like it. Like he can throw over the middle of the field, but he gets sacked a lot. Even with his kind of stocky frame, he has to move around a lot behind the pocket to find his throwing angles. And May looks a lot more like a prototypical passer, right? He's 6'5", he's seeing over the field, he's like downloading information immediately. Uh, and the other thing is that, at least by the end of their careers at UNC, Howell was looking to run pretty quickly after like seeing a read or two go by. And I think he's become, like been a little bit more patient as an NFL passer, but now he's getting sacked all the time, right? He's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and May, I think, reads the field a lot more quickly. He's a much better processor uh, than Howell was at the end of his career. And I think that's kind of his best trait is the, his ability to see the field after the ball is snapped. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's been interesting for me as I as I learn about Drake May and as I read about May and, and, and watch his film, one of the interesting things for me has been that that a lot of the the draft analysts who who watch him, you know, these guys they tend to to kind of latch on to a guy and then they start poking holes in a guy's game. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys will look at Drake May and say he was better in 2022 than he was in 2023. Um, I'm curious if you agree with that, and I'm curious if you think that has you know, that, that gives any indication about what kind of NFL player he might be? Um, maybe a little bit. Uh, not enough where I think it matters. So a lot of what I see when I see people saying that is people looking at the interception numbers. And that's really colored by, I think he threw four picks in his first three games. And at least one of those was fully a garbage time kind of deal uh, when UNC was up multiple scores in the last five minutes of the game. And past that, I think the numbers look pretty much identical. I think his rushing was a little bit better. 
his completion percentage inched up a little bit. Uh, and then on the film, I think his like pocket footwork in 2023 was much better than it was in 2022, where he was kind of just like he'd back up and sling it. He'd do all sorts of funky stuff. Um, usually to good results, he had a good year in 2022, but he looked a lot more disciplined as a passer for the most part in 2023. Uh, he got a dedicated QB coach, I think, uh, in Clyde Christensen. So that helped a little bit. He had a, a couple of weird moments that looked kind of overcoached. Uh, there was like one clip that I think a lot of UNC fans remember, uh, I want to say somewhere in the middle of the season, where he just threw a forward pass after scrambling for like five yards past the line of scrimmage. And it was just one of those things that looked to, like awkward enough that it was, it seemed like a sign of bad coaching. It wasn't something that we'd seen before from him. But mostly, I think, other than the interceptions, everything else about his. And like I said, most of those interceptions were like early on in the season. He's still adjusting to a new offensive coordinator. He didn't have Tez Walker, who he expected to have for the season. So outside of that adjustment period, I think the kind of concerns about his play progressing are kind of overblown. Uh, I also wonder if they have something to do more with the team's performance and how the USC collapsed down the stretch than about him individually. Uh, but as far as just watching him play outside, uh, I keep saying it, outside of those picks, two against Minnesota and two against South Carolina, they're, like, I didn't see too much different at all. Uh, and mechanically, I think he was getting schooled in a positive manner. Okay. And you said he, he had gone and gotten a uh, an outside quarterbacks coach during the, uh, during the offseason? Not quite. The UNC staff brought in a volunteer quarterbacks coach to help him during the season. Okay. So they brought in a guy specifically to work with May or with the quarterbacks in general? Uh, I'm, I think his official role was some sort of like volunteer quarterbacks assistant, uh, assistant. but Clyde Christensen was, I want to say the QB coach at um, in New England for a while. He, he worked with Tom Brady, he worked with Peyton Manning. So all of the press around the hire was that he was going to be like, helping Drake May with the kind of mechanics and fine points of being a high-level quarterback. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So let me, uh, you know, the Giants are at a point with Daniel Jones where, you know, he's at the end of, he's, he's after five years now, you know, they had to decide after his, or they had to decide a while back whether or not to, you know, to to pick up his fifth year option. You know what to do with it with his contract. They gave him four years, one hundred sixty million dollars. I think this coming season is the last year of of guaranteed money for Jones. And and all of that aside, what I kind of want want to ask you to do is. Put on your your sort of or look into your crystal ball, and if you were to look at Drake May four or five years into his NFL career, I mean, what? And, and it's it's so hard to project these guys, but what do you think we're going to be looking at as a quarterback? You know, at this point, you know, about five years or so in, into his career, is this a top ten quarterback? Is he is he an average NFL starter? Is is he a guy that that uh, you know that that can be a, a big time NFL uh, NFL QB? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I, I mean, I will couch this and say that I cannot help but be optimistic about North Carolina players in the draft. Like I am frequently burned, but I'll keep hoping and seeing the best in all of the guys that have played for the Tar Heels and are getting are going into the NFL. So to me, you know, I understand that picking quarterbacks is so very like it's never what people expect it to be. Uh, it's so rare that the people, the guys that people think are can't miss, it turn out to be everything that people want them to be. Uh, but uh, like Drake May to me looks like everything I want in my NFL team's quarterback. I think it's really likely that he's like a top 10 guy in five years. He just looks the part too much. He plays the court. He plays the position the way that I wanted to see, want to see it be played in 2024. He's got, he's mobile. He knows when to break a pocket and when not to, he's got improvisational skills. He can throw from different angles, but he doesn't have to, uh, he can do stuff the normal way. He can start do stuff the kind of insane way. And so, you know, a lot of things can happen, but to me, he looks like the kind of quarterback the league is looking for. The Giants sit at six. He's almost certain not to be there at number six, according to everything that that, that we see. Are the Giants crazy if they give up whatever they have to give up to get to two or three? If that's where it is, you know, to get Drake May to to make that move, is that is, is that you know it's going to cost a lot for the Giants to do that. It's probably going to cost at least you know one first round pick. It's going to cost one of their second round picks. Probably cost more than that. But are they crazy to to take that big swing? I. So I am a Carolina Panthers fan and we're still kind of wrestling in the fandom with the question of like, were the Panthers, like how bad was the process of trading up from eight to one to get Bryce Young, right? And I can see the idea that says, you know, get the quarterbacks who fall to you, like keep rolling the dice until you don't have to mortgage a franchise to like get a guy. But I'm not completely on board with that. To me, quarterback is probably the most important position in professional sports, right? Um, and once you have that, you can let other things fall into place, especially on a rookie contract, especially on a first-round contract, which lasts a year longer than every other rookie contract. Um, so to me, if you've identified that you like have the assets to go up and that you like trust your evaluation, then there's almost not a price too high. Like you might get clowned for it later if it doesn't work out. Like the Panthers might be in a year, like we're currently talking about with the 49ers and um, Trey Lance. But that chance to me is almost always worth taking. So if you see a quarterback that you think is better than the rest, that's going to elevate your franchise. I'm not, and the price from six to two is not going to be as much as one to eight or uh, the Niners trade up to three. So to me, it's worth it. Like I think ultimately I think Drake is going to make whoever drafts him think it was worth it. And if the Giants front office and scouting people agree with that, then like, I think take the swing. Cool. Hey, 
I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about a couple of other uh, North Carolina guys who are on the Giants roster currently before I let you go. 2022 draft, Joe Shane took a swing with two North Carolina offensive linemen. He drafted Josh Azudu in the third round, and he drafted Marcus McKethan in the fifth round. And there were people who said, what is he doing? He's crazy. How can he draft two offensive linemen from North Carolina, which had a terrible offensive line? And I I think part of what we're learning is a lot of the reason that the North Carolina offensive line looked bad or as bad as it did was because Sam Howell tends to take a lot of sacks and he tends to make his offensive linemen look a little bit worse than they actually are. But that aside, neither one of those two players has really established himself with the Giants. Uh, just your thoughts on uh, on Azudu, who was a third-round pick, and, and McKethan, who was a fifth-round pick, and 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 whether you you still think that those two guys can be you know part of the of the solution for the Giants on, on the offensive line. Uh so I think I wrote about Azudu at the time that he was like the the bright spot on a really terrible offensive line, and I, you're definitely right to say that. Sam Howell probably made his line worse than it was, but it still wasn't very good. Um, you could kind of see it. it or like if you watched, even if you assigned like a third to a half of the sacks that Howell took like strictly on the quarterback, that still left a lot of meat for the offensive line to be wrong. And Azudu was the guy who kind of made things look even passable at times. They'd put him whatever position they needed to to try and get the five like the other five the other four guys in the right spot. So if a right tackle was injured, he'd play right tackle. If the left tackle Austin Richards, who's now with the Cowboys, was either injured or underperforming, then he'd play left tackle and some backup would play guard. So, you know, he was given a lot of responsibility and handled handled it all, I thought, really well. And you know, even if he was on a bad line and kind of under the radar, I liked the pick at the time. And I still think I haven't followed him too closely, but I understand he's kind of been injured a little bit uh, his first two years with the Giants. Uh, I think that he's got an NFL future. McKeithen, I feel like, was drafted mostly just because he's big. I didn't see that much of the same kind of talent that I saw with Izudu. Uh, I thought the fifth round was like a very surprising place for him to go. I thought he'd be like more of a late day three or undrafted free agent kind of guy. And I don't know, like you can, you can't coach that kind of size. Maybe there's something to it, but I feel a lot more confident about Azudu sticking with the NFL than I do about McKeithen. Yeah, I guess I thought Azudu, it concerns me a little bit that he's been in a competition for left guard for two years and hasn't been able to win it. And I sort of throw out the uh, the time he spent at left tackle in 2023, which which wasn't good, because he's not an NFL left tackle. He probably shouldn't have been out there. I think he's an NFL guard, mm. but but I don't know. He, he's been injured, but it it does concern me. I think that he hasn't been able to win that job outright in in two chances. But you still you still think that that maybe allowed to settle into one spot that 
that he that he can be an NFL starter? I so I haven't followed him too too closely. I know I had heard that he had taken snaps at left tackle and that it didn't go phenomenally for him. And I remember I think reading that that was that had been kind of the plan last offseason to kind of just give him some reps at every position as kind of a swing man. I don't, like maybe that's his kind of best role is just like as a sixth offensive lineman who could play any of the positions if someone goes down. Maybe I, like maybe he's not a starter. There's like being an NFL offensive line starter is really really hard. But I think he's I think he's got talent. All right, Akil, I appreciate the time. And uh, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.